return guest, everybody. I always love getting new people on this show, but sometimes I have certain guests that they just they they've made an impact on me. They pop in my head sometimes. And I'm just like, I wonder what they've been thinking about and working on lately. Um this is uh this one did not disappoint. Really good conversation. We even loosened up a little bit and had some really cathartic laughs and stuff as well. Uh, I, I know uh, uh, um, some of you, the last time I had Herman, Herman and I have so much fun talking that I, uh, the last time people are like, but can you give us more information? You got, <laughs> Because we're just kind of having fun, casual, philosophical uh, discussions as well. And this episode is a little bit like that, uh, as well. So there's a lot of great info in this. You will learn a lot, but I would say this one's, uh, a little looser and a little more fun in a very good way. Um, so super good show. If you guys want to support this show, you can support me on patreon.com slash Shane Moss. That's how I'm able to do this show ad free i have group meetups on there i have a discord that you can join don't worry if you don't know what a discord is uh but it's basically like a troll free social media thing where you can choose your own adventure and hear more about like science or nature or uh uh movies or music and everything's broken down into categories so you can pick specifically what you're into uh just building a little community and it's fun a lot of a lot of smart folks i'd say uh age range between hmm, 30 and 50 people tend to float um around my age or a few years a few years younger than me probably is average uh, to give you an idea, all are welcome, of course. And uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I'm able to do this without uh, without peddling weird um, fads that are meant to be some super vitamin that'll guarantee that you lose this and that weight. And I get to have whatever guest on to kind of cut through some of that uh, nonsense one time or once in a while and uh and and have well, I think it's just a kind of a more accurate take on some of the stuff that we get sold all the time. Um so this is a super fun episode for me. I hope you enjoy it. You guys are awesome. Enjoy the show. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I have a return guest. You know, I don't have return guests that often, uh, and when I do, it means that uh, that I like them quite a bit because I like getting a diverse sampling of all sorts of random stuff from all over the world, mostly in the U.S., of course. And I, I, what I love about the way that I book this show is that uh, historically I was touring and I was frantically just looking for any guests anywhere I could go and getting a wonderful random sampling of various academics and meeting people that I liked along the way. Um, because it's, uh, it's really easy to have kind of biases and then look to validate those biases and look for certain interests. And because I was just frantically flying by the seat of my pants all of the time, booking two guests in every city that I was in, I met all these random um, people. Herman Ponser is my guest today. It's his third or fourth time back. I, right? I blacked a lot third? of it out as well. I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Fantastic guest. Uh, he did stand up science um, in 2019 when I was doing that right. before COVID shut everything down. Uh, he came on the podcast. We did it in person in his office. And I had him back last year during COVID when he had his new book come out, Burn the New Research. Um, 
is it the same subtitle as it was in the past? Yeah, new, new research, research blows the lid off how we really burn calories, lose weight, and stay healthy. I just saw an alternative subtitle somewhere. So and the so British version, sure. you know, they're a lot they're a lot more chill in the UK, a lot more understated. So the, yeah. the British version is the misunderstood science of metabolism. Uh, and that was actually my suggestion. So, I, that was my subtitle yeah. you know, suggestion. And uh, and the American published Penguin, who did it for uh, Penguin Random House, they wanted to make it be, you know, yeah. which I get that. That's cool. Blowing the lid off of yeah. things. Yeah. I love a good lid blower. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's the, that is, yeah. I mean, you need to, like, it's all, you know, I'm, I market things all the time yeah. and you need to find fun, catchy ways of saying things. That's why I did a whole spiel about the kind of, randomized way in which I've found things because it's easy to just go to say a fitness section of a bookstore and find the thing like oh that sounds nice and find that and it's really hard to know what to trust out there and um and so I'm I'm so happy that I was able to come across you and your amazing work at uh Duke University can you give people let's just assume they haven't seen you on the show before because even if they have it's been a year sure. or so can you can you give people a little introduction of who you yeah, are yeah I'm a I'm an associate professor in evolutionary anthropology here at Duke University and um, I study human evolution broadly I'm really interested in how we got to be the way we are and how that sort of deep evolutionary history that we all carry around in our bones and in our genes uh, shapes the way our bodies work today. And I focus a lot of my research attention toward calories and uh, how we bring energy into our bodies, how our body burns those calories in its various tasks, prioritizes different tasks depending on our lifestyles and the challenges that we're facing. Um, and, and yeah, so I get to measure energy expenditure, metabolism in places like northern Tanzania, with communities uh, who are hunting and gathering or, or, or are pastoralists or folks here in, in North Carolina or, you know, even across different primate species and other animal species, just to try to understand how evolution has shaped us and, and shapes other species. Now, is there any difference between the way that hunter-gatherers in Tanzania eat and people in North Carolina? Are there any differences? <laughs> no, at, totally at the same. Try to name one. It's the exact yeah, same. Yeah, exact same. In every way. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, we can get into the details, so it, it's fun. So first of all, what's, what's yeah. similar? So what, the differences are so obvious, right? Like they don't eat a lot of macaroni yeah. and cheese. Um, they right. would. They absolutely would if they could, because mac and cheese is amazing. Yeah. Um, and all the foods, I mean, so if you're a hunter-gatherer, like, so I work with a Hadza community in northern Tanzania. Um, I should, a quick shout out, if you want to know about hunter-gatherers uh, and what they're all about and how to support hunting and gathering communities today, hadzafund.org. Check it out. It's a great way to, to find out more awesome. about the Hadza specifically and, and what we're doing. But, you know, if you're living off the land, off of wild foods, then everything's different down to, I mean, obviously like, you know, no mac and cheese, but like even the individual foods are different. The kinds of animals that you're eating are leaner, have less saturated fat in their, in their fat, have less fat in their bodies. Mm. Um, the fruits and vegetables you're eating are totally, the fruit and vegetables that we eat in the supermarket are completely changed through farming, right? Through uh, thousands of years of agriculture to be more sugary and less fibery. So, um, everything's different not just the obvious breakdown of like what's on the menu but like even what makes up the food is different mm -hmm. i um so i i reached out to you now because it's it's the first of the, or it's it's the beginning of january this is the time when people do all these new year's resolutions and and this is yeah. uh this is january 6th that we're recording this so it's probably going out in a, in a few weeks by that time a lot of people are going to feel like absolute failures <laughs> here we go again i thought this was gonna be my year yeah. all fell apart yeah. because i didn't change my entire life on january 1st um but uh, so i actually thought it'd be a perfect time to kind of <laughs> assess that and people might be uh might be looking to revisit healthier habits but one of the things that i was thinking about was um i i did a couple of uh 
and you you mentioned you've seen some of my mind under matter clips we did a halloween episode and we did a uh about the origins of halloween and the origins of of christmas episode and kind of the the ways in which some of these rituals and celebrations um coincided with uh different periods of of uh, uh, you know, different seasonality mm-hmm. and different times in terms of when resources were going to be more scarce or abundant and that sort of thing. Um, are there are there any um, are there any factors in terms of how our ancestors uh, ate and metabolized things? through the course of the year that are maybe a, a little counterintuitive to our our modern um, way of living? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, well, first of all, there's as much diversity in what people were eating 100,000 years ago as there is in what people are eating today. I mean, like if you and I travel around the world right now, this one snapshot in time, we'd see all these different cultures eating all these different foods, right? And so um, that's thing one to understand is that, that people have always been diverse in what they they eat and what they ate. Uh, and you kind of eat what's local. Um, well, especially, you know, before kind of global markets in food, people are, all, of course, eating what's local. Uh, when you look at, so there's that variation. When you, when you look across a year in what different communities are eating, there's absolutely this sort of seasonal shift. And it's not always what you expect. So, uh, for example, I work with a Hadza hunter-gatherer community in northern Tanzania, like I mentioned. Um, and it's surprising what they kind of end up subbing in and subbing out over the course of the year as different fruits are available or different, uh, you know, game becomes more or less scarce. Uh, for example, they eat a lot of honey. Uh, this is something that people kind of overlook when we think about hunter-gatherers, but honey is a huge part of the diet. And so uh, they'll often, you know, men hunt in this community, like many hunter-gatherer communities, but when they're kind of, you know, having not, not much luck hunting, they'll go and get honey. And so sometimes honey is like 20% of the diet in terms of calories they, they eat in a given day, which is enormous, right? I mean, imagine like one of your meals just being honey. Um, that's, the, yeah. you, you mean that's like an entire meal? Yeah, yeah. like 20% of the calories. Wow. So like, you know, 500 calories or something like that of, of honey. I mean, it's because I've I've seen the you know I've seen various planet Earth type yeah. documentaries that that show the whole process of going way up in the tree and doing and it always looks very death defying and everything else which I, I'm I'm sure it's not always uh, as dramatic when cameras yeah. aren't on but but still no it's no joke man I mean they're they're like up you know the, the they climb these big baobab trees they're up three stories high. You know, they're slick, their hands are slick with honey and they're getting the shit stung out of them. Um, it's hard work, man. So it really is like that because yeah. I was watching one. I, I watched like a, I'll sometimes watch the behind the scenes of the documentary yeah, yeah. thing and they would like lose a camera in the tree <laughs> and one of the, one of the tribe people would have to climb up there for yeah. them and, and get it back for them and make their rigs for yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, so I, two funny stories about that. When I was in, in Tanzania, one of these seasons, uh, hanging out with the Hadza. And, you know, we always, we watch them go up in these trees and get, and get honey. And they'll take like a, a smoking stick up with them to kind of calm down the bees, but you still get stung. And, uh, you know, you hear the guys up there like swearing and like, you know, they're chopping in the tree, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's exactly what you expect. Um, and I was talking to my friend, Brian Wood about this and he's like, oh yeah. And not only that, he's like, not only do they get stung, but the stings are really for like really nasty. And I thought, oh, well, that's, I mean, how bad could it really be? And then, cause you never get stung. You're on the ground, you know, you never, you're never like in the mix, in the mix getting stung. And then one season I had one of these bees. I wasn't even near a I don't even know how I got this guy happened, but it went up the back of my shirt and I knew from how big it sounded, like what it was, like almost immediately. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I, I'm like trying to get at it. And before I could like get it out of my shirt, it stung me. And I, I like almost went home. Like I it was so bad. It, like, you know, I grew up playing around outside, getting stung by, and this thing was like really, really terrible. Uh, and so those guys That's are just tough. Crazy. They're just tough. 
I I assumed it was an exaggeration because you see the footage of it and, you know, one of the guys will get the um, the hive yeah. out of the tree and toss it down and people are just running immediately to get the honeycomb out of it. There's bees on the honeycomb and they're just, they couldn't shove it in their yeah. face fast yeah, enough. Yeah, dude. It's, it's amazing. Just... It's amazing. So, yeah, if anybody <laughs> who is following a paleo diet, you know, make sure you're eating one of your meals is just honey. Uh, uh, there you go. That's your one bowl of honey. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, but what about are are there? Um, and maybe you don't know this, but do you know of any connection with uh, with holidays and diet that's kind of connected to some of these rituals? Because mm. one of the things um, I was. I was reading about how kind of winter solstice was that was that was sort of the the time when there would start being diminishing returns in terms of feeding any remaining yeah. livestock or whatever. Yeah. And you'd want to uh, uh, slaughter them and butcher them. And 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 uh, and so and because of that, then there would be this huge abundance. It was like the perfect time to kind of have these feasts and everything at that time, because you'd be kind of hunkering down then for the rest of yeah. of the winter. I I don't I didn't. I, I questioned the sources. I was just quickly going through Wikipedia. Wonderful stories that are told. Um, the, uh, probably some of that's true. So if I work near the equator, mm -hmm. right? So summer and winter right, don't mean a whole right. lot. And what you have instead that really drive things where I'm at, you know, and again, this would have been true for other equatorial groups, presumably back forever um, is there's a wet, a season, and a dry season. So that changes what's available. Uh, and there's also uh, a moon cycle. And so a lot of the, the celebrations um, and what's available to eat and how those interact are tied to wet, dry cycles, rainy, dry, and, and dry seasons. And, you know, and perhaps migrations that come along with that, depending on where you are uh, on, in the world. And then the moon cycles, which, you know, a lot of people are sort of timing their either religious practices or when they're going to have you know, when they're going to have the feast is, is, or have the party is, you know, tied to moon cycles. That's definitely true with the Hata who I work with, um, with, hmm. I work in Northern Kenya as well with a, a pastoralist community called the Dasnich. And they have these big, huge festivals to kind of, um, they're kind of like coming of age ceremonies and they'll have lots of families come together for these big things. And again, those are tied to, those are tied to like, so they, they're pastoralists. So hunter gatherers, don't have livestock, but these pastoralist groups who I work with in northern in northern Kenya, they do, and there it is tied to the cycle of like when are when is a good time to butcher. But if you're on the equator, right? There's never there's never this uh, the, let, let's burn a tree on the winter solstice uh, thing that we got with with Christmas. You know, Christmas the the, the Christmas story, of course, in in the Bible even doesn't happen. In you know in the winter solstice, right? That that only happens. That only becomes a winter solstice holiday when it gets exported into northern Europe, and people are like, you know, trying to tie in with like other cultures up there that had this big solstice uh, culture, yeah. right? So yeah, 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 yeah. It already existed long before that, and yeah, it was, it was like there was there was there was. Um, rituals regarding Thor that that was was it Thor. I think it was Thor that was very like basically the origin story of Santa Claus. Thor <laughs> Thor would fly around at night on a on a chariot on a given night and punish the ones on yeah. the naughty list and reward. What's happened to the punishment the part of all this? That's what I want to know. I mean, even as a kid, I remember thinking, uh, you know, Santa's gone a little soft on this whole thing <laughs> yeah, because yeah. where's the coal? Like, where's, you know, you're sort of five, six years old. Yeah. Everyone gets a trophy like, these a days. Second. Wait a second. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I, I think that was a little tied to modern consumer uh, consumerism. It seemed like S Santa used to be a, a, a little more even handed. Right. A little more <laughs> honest. It right. And it's totally yeah, participation yeah. trophy stuff now, man. It's, it's so sad. <laughs> um, um, so I, I was curious when you mentioned the pastoralists, um, not to get too far off of, of the topic of your book, yeah. but you just, you, I, 
I like talking about evolution stuff with you. Um, here, here's a thing that's probably, uh, I always assume stuff like this when I'm like, Ooh, this is a juicy tidbit of information. I always assume that uh, it's probably a little more boring than that. Uh, what about cultures of honor? Do the, the, the pastoralists there kind of exhibit that sort of, um, behavior that we call cultures of honor. It can, can you explain what cultures of honor is? And then if, if you see that in the people that you, uh, have observed, let's see if I've got this right. It's not something I work with much, but, um, you're talking about, you know, if you, if you've been, if your reputation has been besmirched, you have to go mm -hmm. and make that right. And so there's a lot of reputation guarding and defense is that, Right, we're on my on the topic here, or do you have something more specific you want to talk yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've heard that it's specifically tied to um, people that that owned livestock and cattle mm. because they had more valuable resources with them, so they needed they needed to like kind of present a uh a higher risk of like snap a little more easily if there's some wrongdoing because they had a little more to protect than uh. like the hunter gatherers and the, and the speculation is is that many of those herders then ended up moving um moving to the south for cattle herding of, of the United States. And uh, so people in the South have a lot of this culture of honor, like you, yeah. in a study, you go by and you, oh, the you kind of the accidentally bump yeah, someone yeah, I love on that the study. shoulder. And I wonder if that's what you're talking about. I love that study. You bump a Southerner and his, yeah, you know, yeah. his testosterone goes up and his cortisol and everything else. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and yeah, perhaps yeah. It so, has okay. this kind of long cultural legacy of, of having to protect these, uh, th this greater resource of this yeah. herd that's traveling with you. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it is no joke. So even right now in Northern Kenya, where we work, there's, uh, two or three different cultural groups there that we work with the Dasnich, but you know, there are others that, you know, other similar culturally related, but, but distinct cultural groups there. Uh, like the Turkana, for example, and they, the Gabra, and, and they don't like each other, right? And so there is today, like raiding, you know, you think about this as sort of an old timey kind of thing, like cattle raiding, where you watch an old Western where they go and get, that's happening now. Only the difference is it's happening now with like AK-47s. So yeah. it is no joke. It is, and people, you know, will tell you, oh yeah, we were out with our, our, our cattle and we were really scared. You know, we had to like stay, couldn't, we couldn't go too close to the river, even though we're so, it's, you know, you're on the equator, it's hot, it's dusty, you're thirsty. We couldn't go there to the river because we knew if we went near the river, we'd get raided. I mean, it's stuff like right out of a Western uh, movie, you know, yeah. only it's for keeps. <laughs> yeah. it's, for, it's not, you know, it's almost, it's sort of beautiful to watch when it's uh, safely on your movie screen. Um, but yeah. when you're living it, you're like, holy Jesus, that's, that's scary. Um, so absolutely that happens. And, and that would never happen with uh, hunter-gatherers because they don't own anything. What would you steal? Right. Yeah. Interesting. So this whole inequality Isn't thing, that... I mean, that's that's a whole, uh, yeah. It, it, that speaks to just generally what inequality does to people broadly. And inequality was probably not a really big issue or not a widespread issue until farming. Because until if, if you don't have farming, then you don't really have anything to pass on generation to generation. And so... You don't have these wealth inequalities. One of one of the things that blew my mind in your class, you could find some some teeth of an unknown species. Pretend not just scientists generally could uh, find this. They could look at it and um, see infer aspects of their diet, whether they say eat fruit or meat or whatever else, and then from that you could kind of. Uh, also predict if they were territorial and one of the things being that that if, if you eat ve uh, vegetation I, I should probably let you take it from here but i i i tell uh you want to hear how i tell it yeah uh, oh, and, i'd love and to then, i'd love and to and correct, I, yeah and then correct sure. the many ways that i'm wrong um and, no and i'm not gonna so, do that part the, the first part sounds fun let's let's do the uh hearing how you do that part so so uh, yeah so if, if something if something is just grazing, then there's no competition for any of that, uh, that resource generally. Um, yeah. and, and if, or, or 
but then if there's say fruit trees around and it eats if it's a primate that eats fruit and fruit's a lot more scarce and that species is going to predictably be a lot more um territorial as essentially yeah it. you nailed but it things you are territorial because... about water and stuff too right like hippos and things can Sweet. Get... yeah i mean tip that's a special case and uh and water is tough I don't know about territorial in terms of keeping other animals away from water, but water gets really tricky because it's the only, you know, you, you got to have it. And so mm-hmm. um, it, the, the water becomes a sort of watering holes are always great places to uh, to get killed if you're a, mm. a plant eater. Um, but yeah. So yeah, and interesting, you know, that's a whole different, different subject. Yeah. Humans have to drink all the time. Like I'm drinking water right mm. now. Um uh, but uh, apes don't. They get so much water in their diet that they hardly have to drink at all. Is that interesting? Hmm. That is interesting. I had uh, here's here's another fun thing that popped into my head as you were discussing the pastoralists um, and kind of these these potential historical things that pass on even into our modern world where they're not as yeah. necessary. I read about this uh, this war chief who during World War Two. Uh, this Native American ended up becoming a chief because he he uh, did the things like checked off the boxes of doing that. So as he was like fighting the Germans, he went and stole like 50 of their horses or whatever. Did, <laughs> did all these like side quests so that he That's could amazing. also become a chief. Isn't that incredible? See, don't let anybody tell you that you don't have, you know, if, if you're ambitious, if you work hard, you can still, you can, anything's possible. That's amazing. I, know, I love that. I, I love that. I'll find it and send it to you. Um, all right. So let's, let's get into um, a, a bit of your book. What are some of the, because uh, the last time you were on, uh, you discussed, because this is the time of year when people are thinking about diets and things, and there's right. all of these, um, there's a lot of, there. you know, you hear about vegans, and then there's wars, but like, oh, these soy boys and like these red pills that like, I'm, a, I'm on yeah. a carnivore diet, I just eat meat, and, and it's, yeah. it's weird that diets become like so political too. to eat <laughs> oh my god it's crazy it's crazy and then yeah you got- uh, we're just waiting for for rogan to start his own party you know and then uh, <laughs> it'll all be that yeah um so that there's gluten uh, and keto and everything else paleos the the big uh, that got hot like 10 years ago and, and yeah and yeah no it's you know it's this is a time people are like you know marketing people talk about um, they have a great term for it that's escaping, but there's a, there are these breakpoints in your life, mm-hmm. like a marriage or having a kid, where like you're open to new ideas, more open than you usually are, and people, you know, that's why they're always trying to market to new parents and market to homeowners, you know, people who just bought a house, and people, any of these big breakpoints, and I think, you know, because because you might just decide to sort of jump ship and be a new person as a parent, that could happen. Uh, marketing wise anyway. And so I think January 1st, right, is it's like open enrollment for a new lifestyle. It's like everybody, that's that's your opportunity to sort of self-impose this, this break point in your life. And so people are wondering, well, maybe I'm going to spend the rest of this year being a vegan, or I'm going to spend the rest of this year being, or my new life is going to be X, Y, or Z, right? You know, and uh, it's interesting to watch all this play out especially with the social media access to people's lives that we have now that we didn't used to have. You can actually watch people's inner workings, you know, that we didn't used to be able to do that for strangers, but now you can. Um, and I think it's a really confusing time to try to think about your diet because there's so much noise, you know, and like you said, so political. So if you are someone who's conservative in the middle of the country then what seems like a possible set of diets to you that you would even consider is probably very limited compared to if you're like an East Coast liberal kind of folk person. Mm-hmm. So um, 
but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for, yeah, as, as someone who I guess is more progressive and just traveled around and is like a little bit of a foodie. Yeah, I look back at the things that I've eaten. And I'm like, I can see people would look at that and be like, that's ridiculous behavior. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of novelty yeah. seeking kind of, ooh, I'm so cultured sort of stuff. But I think we all kind of do little things like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and if, especially now people are trying to like lose. So this is the standard. This is the typical time to try to lose weight, right? That's the, the typical New Year's resolution thing. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, you kind of get mixed up in these diet wars. I think that, that well, one of the things I talk about in the book is that, you know, if you study metabolism, like I do, you study how your body burns calories, then you could be forgiven for wondering why anybody cares about, you know, if they're vegan or carnivore or whatever, because it really just comes down to calories, how many calories you bring in, how many calories you burn off. And it's actually really hard to change how many calories you burn off day to day, your body adjusts your lifestyle to keep energy expenditure kind of in the same ballpark. Mm. And so it really comes down to like, do you, do you feel more full on fewer calories if you eat X versus Y? And some people that's, you know, they're going to do better on like a plant-based diet. They're going to be able to eat fewer calories and still feel full because of all the fiber. Some people do really well on the keto carnivore diet stuff. I don't necessarily recommend that, but they feel really full and satisfied on fewer calories, which is why that, that low carb, uh, diet can work and, um, for losing weight or keeping weight off. And, you know, it's, it really is like whatever you like, whatever works for you. Uh, that's a healthy diet, you know, getting your, your vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff that keeps you at a healthy weight. That's, it's really that simple. And that kind of, it's hard to, it's hard to find a diet that works for people, but you know, Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also hard because there's a lot of, you know, we we look to um, people of higher status as authority figures in this. And someone yeah. has like a good set of genes or, or, or is able to, uh, you know, it has enough money to get all the personal trainers and everything else. And um, and. It'd be like if I started, if I was like, look at me, look how thin I've been skinny my entire life. I take it you have been as well. Um, I can eat whatever I want. It, It would be like me presenting the Shane Moss diet. And being like, this is how <laughs> you lose weight. Let me tell you what I ate today. This is real. I woke up for breakfast. I reheated a geez, uh, greasy leftover cheeseburger for breakfast. Just feeling wacky. And then I had a pear. And then, mm. um, af- uh, and then after, and then I had some coffee. And then I had some ham salad with some crackers. And then I had a uh, candy cane. Um, so that's the secret, everybody. You want to, you want to look like me? <laughs> one the candy, one cane. candy cane a day. <laughs> yeah. And you can yeah. just kind of present that. And it's like, well, there's a lot of other factors going on, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to eat like a Hodza Hunter Gatherer, then, um, you'd go right for the testicles every time. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's where the good stuff is, you know? Um, you'd eat testicles and you'd be like having testicles every day. That would be a pretty <laughs> banner week for a, a, a Hansa hunter gather. Oh, um, honey covered testicle diet, honey covered testicles. That sounds like a very different podcast, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's yeah. There's so much mythology around it. And, um, I mean, so, and, and even, so this is a great one, the anti-science or the, uh, I'm just asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. movement uh, in the diet space. There's this, it gets really weird and really even potentially kind of dangerous sometimes. There's this, a big movement among the paleo carnivore, low carb folks to, um, to say, you know, don't worry about your, your LDL cholesterol, your, lo- your low density, little protein levels in your blood, right? Because cholesterol doesn't matter for heart disease. And why do they care about this? Well, because guess what? If all you eat is fatty steaks and that's all you eat, then people's cholesterol levels go, go through the roof. Um, and you often have really, really shockingly high levels of the bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol on meat only diets. And so, well, that's bad for marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's been this push, oh, ignore LDL, doesn't matter. 
you know, mm. actually it can be healthy for you. Yeah. I bet you, you know, it could be really good for you. And then um, you see this play out. This In the last month, I've seen this play out. It just paying attention to Twitter. Uh, a couple of people who are really pushing low quality. LDL doesn't matter. Uh, they actually got a hold of a, an epidemiologist who works, I think she works at Harvard. About you, and she, she's like, okay, fine. Tell me what, tell me what you do predict. You think LDL doesn't matter? Is that right? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, great. So I, I have this data set. And I can actually test that with in like 20,000 women. We have long-term follow-up data. Should we test your idea? Because you're claiming that the claim had been, well, it hadn't really been tested properly. You know, if you, if you look at LDL cholesterols and people who are otherwise healthy, it doesn't tell you anything about their, their likelihood of, of, of dying. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't tell you anything about risk. And so she goes, okay, let's do that. So she's like, okay, you, you'll be really careful. Tell me what your hypothesis is. Tell me what your prediction is. And they go, okay, this is our prediction. Great. Fine. Goes off, comes back. Of course, LDL cholesterol increases your risk of dying. Mm -hmm. Of course it does. Yeah. Just like every other thing. And, and, uh, and, you know, then it's, well, well, you did it wrong. You know, even though they did it exactly, she did it exactly how they said. Yeah. And so you, there's just no talking to people anymore. And in the middle of this, there's this really well, you know, pr pretty big following person on Twitter. I'm not going to name the person because it's not my, you know, but pretty big following person on Twitter goes, who's a big low carb person says, hey, guys, you know, guess what? I'm in the hospital, uh, having just had a, you know, heart surgery for blocked arteries. Uh. Um, even though, you know, he's, this is the same person who sent, who's who posts the kind of person who posts pictures of themselves shirtless yeah. with big muscles and is fit, you know, and it's like, yeah, you were very fit and you were also putting yourself at really high risk for heart disease and you got heart disease, yeah. you know? Um, and so I don't, I, I guess, it, what what blows my mind is like even in the face of clear evidence yeah. of higher risk and potential harm, and to themselves, I mean, these people who are eating these diets too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's right. just no telling them. There's no telling them. And this is not this is not new science. People have known that LDL cholesterol is bad for you. For people know cholesterol is bad for heart disease for decades. Yeah, yeah. And and how do you? What do we do with that? That's like. It's like climate climate denial. It's like every it's like every other kind of science denial because don't look up. I, I know better than you, and I did my internet research, and you know it just makes me sad. Have you seen Don't Look Up yet? Yes, yes, and it was exactly. It's, the, it, it's not the movie we deserve, but it's the movie we need, or something like that. It, it's, yeah. it's exactly. Well, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. What, was your, what were your thoughts? It's oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. It was it was like two of my favorite movies ever. Doctor Strange, Love and Idiocracy combined, and those <laughs> those movies are yeah. Both I hadn't wonderful. thought of that in the in the pedigree of movies. It's like the love child. That's that's right. Um, I I I think I feel bad for people because it's easy to listen to you know one of these wellness people with a great body and everything and they're they're doing all these incredible things and gosh what i wouldn't give to I, everyone wants to be healthier and fitter and everything else I'm, I'm i'm so excited i've been exercising more lately and taking better care of myself and i got some momentum going and that's that's terrific and everyone wants to be in that space and i think like you said these people like sometimes they have a bit of misinformation they get a little dug in they have some motivational reasons confirmation bias they haven't been trained scientifically at how to interpret this stuff they have a certification in whatever yeah. life coaching or whatever that doesn't have the necessary training to sort through data and and i i think they genuinely believe this and so so people are like well they're not lying to me i can tell that they're genuine it's like well no i don't think that they're lying to you either there's a difference between <laughs> right. being honest right. and being factual are two are two different yeah. things it's it's wonderful when that venn diagram overlaps but it's and and it's easy to make up boogeymen of like it, when you never have to meet a scientist or talk with doctors or whatever and be like, they must just be in on this uh, plot oh. against us because this person that's so personable that I trust is saying this yeah. thing and they have my best intentions. They have the best of intentions. And it's like, well, what's what would be harder to do? All of science is in on some plot to tell you that 
cholesterol low what is it the l uh, low ldl um, the low density lipoprotein cholesterol the bad cholesterol the bad yeah. cholesterol is bad for you when it isn't for some reason and they're paying you like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something like this to spread this information and you're keeping a lid on it and everyone's just motivated by the money to give corrupt information and yeah. or someone that just like isn't very qualified to sort through things or it, and it doesn't yeah. it also doesn't take much for like one scientist to see a grift, you know, to see an opportunity or to like, if you, if you're a, I'm going to go on a whole rant, Herman, I'm sorry, but if you're a, Please. if you're a snail researcher, right. And you spend your whole life researching snails and then you're like, you know what? I want to get paid for this. Like, what are you going to do? Write a book about snails? Who gives a fuck about snails? Nobody. <laughs> So, but if you instead make some like snail based supplement that's good for your skin or some oil that you can put on and then you go, yeah. oh, well, snail stuff was it's used as adhesive and Band-Aids and can do these other things, too. And, you know, so much about yeah. snails that no one can fucking check what you're saying except other snake researchers or snail uh, researchers who yeah. who are who don't have a twitter account and are like whoa 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 what's this person saying what are they selling and then you get to position yourself as a whistleblower on on the snail yeah. science yeah. community and that makes you this outlier and you're just trying to get the truth out there about your snail <laughs> grease and and how you get to get right. on these cutting edge podcasts that don't give a fuck about snail research. They don't give a fuck. No. They're not going to take no. a biology course or anything else. And it's a real issue. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's uh, it's bad. I mean, that, that actually is, is the most sort of shocking are the people who actually are MDs, you know? Yeah. I mean, who would have guessed COVID, world, global pandemic, um, would have been such an opportunity for doctors who really don't give a shit about saving people's lives. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. You know, I mean, if you want to, if you have an MD after your name and you want to go out and say some really outrageous stuff about vaccines, you will immediately get 50,000 Twitter followers. Immediately you'll be famous. Immediately. Immediately. And, you know, <laughs> and then wherever you work, it's just like, what? He works here. <laughs> like, get rid of you. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking, but yeah, they, I think that would have, if you would have told me 20 years ago that, uh, all this like science, you know, the, the anti-authority world that we live in right now and you do your own research on the internet and, and that the, the anti, that, 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 that whole push would work. The conspiracy theory stuff would work. Um, the piece I would have found least believable is that, you know, that, that people would believe that there could be a scientific conspiracy, mm -hmm. right? That would have been the hardest part for me to buy, that people would believe that scientists are in on it, mm -hmm. you know, globally, because that's just isn't how, like, first of all, there's a lot more scientists than I think people think. Yeah. I think people think that there's like one or two of us, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is like, there's actually like thousands and thousands <laughs> of people doing research all the time every day. Yeah. And we don't know each other. Uh, and then, that like you could get people who inherently like as our job are skeptical and trying to poke holes in each other's arguments would somehow get in on this conspiracy together yeah, um, yeah. or that we're making money at anything like i mean you know there's also <laughs> we'd be driving I've much been, faster cars if there was a real i've been so. to sci so many scientists homes and offices <laughs> <laughs> can tell you the modest yeah. living that yeah. si and, unless I'm in a Truman show and I email a scientist last minute and they happily are more than open to talk about their work like every single time and they're like sure come over right. to my house and they have a secondary house that's very <laughs> modest and a piece of shit car in the driveway that they use right. when some yahoo emails them out of the blue to do interviews to keep this story yeah. going it's amazing <laughs> it's just lack of uh, yeah. it's lack of experience and lack of yeah knowing any scientists themselves 
Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I guess that's, that's why, uh, I, I, I love, I love books like, uh, like yours that can, because it's, it's the same thing, you know, even though I, I would say, you know, your title's like a little exciting sounding, <laughs> but every time that I, but, and that's just like part of the game. I just had a, yeah. a, a, a author that wrote the tailored brain, um, you know, mm. keto and ketamine and blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing every time. It's just like, well, the science shows that a lot, there's just a lot of outrageous claims being made to the public regarding wellness. And a lot of this stuff isn't really panning out. And there's just a lot of like fundamentals and basics that we should all be kind of keeping in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I worry more broadly. I, it feels a little bit like as a species, we have kind of, um, we've, we, we're coming up against the limits of what we're able to handle yeah, mentally. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. Like yeah. we've been, what's the, the principle where like you get, you get, yeah, you get promoted at work, you get promoted <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the yeah. level at which you're incompetent, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a very just, good like, metaphor. You know what? We've just built ourselves like, gosh, hey, you guys, oh, that's a great idea. Let's build this. Let's this new technology. And first we're hunting and gathering. Then we're farming. And then we figured out how to use wind and, you know, and the, like populations are growing and we figured out medicine. And, yeah. um, and it's like, God, we're so smart. And now it's like, wait a second. Like you didn't realize, holy shit. Now we're like over our heads yeah. in information and people, there's just too many people and there's too much information and we've connected it too much. Nobody ever thought that that would be a problem. Like too much connectivity. Like, you know, when you're writing a letter on parchment <laughs> to your colleague, it has to go by steamer to wherever, <laughs> like you're not thinking like, Oh, we're going to be too connected someday. Yeah. Um, and now I, I just wonder, like, are we, we've, yeah, we've, we've promoted ourselves to the level of our own incompetence as a species. <laughs> I, I, as a species. I love that so much. And, and, and that's not like, I'm not saying that in some condescending way. I mean, like, you should see the bullshit that I like fall for all the time. I go in, if you put the word new on like a candy bar <laughs> or something, I promise you I'm buying yeah. it. Every, every single time I know that I'm doing it. I know it's foolish. Yeah. I'm doing it every, every, every time, every time. And it's like, yeah. and it runs itself. Like the idea of grocery stores um, having, you know, they shuffle you through the produce first and then you've made so many good decisions and got the pepper and the apple a day and all these things and high hopes for your new yeah. diet. By the time you get the <laughs> cereal aisle, it's like, well, I made all those good decisions. I'll reward myself. And then you're fatigued by choice and everything. You get to the end and you yeah. get all the candy and everything else. And um, and it's not people people think like, well, this must be like this grocery store plotting against me. It's like, uh, no, it's worse than that. These are systems yeah. that we stumbled on that work really well. The grocery stores that did that model are the ones that passed on those behaviors <laughs> to other the grocery, grocery store DNA. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so ugly, man. And you know, it's like, we got, it's like this work on, on different levels. So one thing I like to think about is time, right? We are, we, we get 70 or so years on this earth if we're lucky. Uh, and so, and we have this day long cycle and, you know, things happen. And so we, there's sort of a certain amount of time that we're used to thinking of and, um, and what seems like a long time to wait or a short time to wait. And we are amazing planners. Humans are right. Like we don't do, we don't use everything immediately. We, we are able to hold things off and, and think ahead and plan for a future self. But all of how much we're able to plan ahead is all based on the biology of our deaths, which is nobody can plan further ahead than 70 years because there's no way you're built for that. You can pretend to on paper, but you don't really. Mm. And in fact, really, you can't really plan much more ahead than a couple, what, a couple days, maybe like honestly, like maybe a couple of years. And yet, so we've built these systems that you need to make like a hundred year plans for. 
like climate change, right? Like how we're going to run the world's food supply and energy. Like you can't, that's not a one year problem, right? That's not a, that's not a one presidential term problem. Yeah. And yet all the kinds of ways that we have to check in on these things and the systems we've built, uh, you know, from quarterly stock returns to checking my Twitter feed every 20 minutes to whatever, like it's based like this. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have the equipment for it, man. Yeah. I think we're just like, we're just kind of fucked. I, I worry so about. Too. I worry about yeah, this. Yeah. I worry about this. Me, me too, Herman. Me too. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's at least nice to. It's at least nice to hear that uh, and and have it valid. I, I guess we all maybe want to be validated a little too much, and so sometimes mm. we hear things that we want to hear and latch on to them. And maybe I'm doing that now, but goodness, it's not the story that you want to be true. It's certainly not wish thinking that we're all fucked other than my own getting to (laughs) say I told you so or something like that, which doesn't do very much for me. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Never forget that, you know, 90 percent of the hominins, hominins, human ancestors that have lived, hominin species that have lived um, well over 90 percent are extinct. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's no real reason to expect that. I mean, you know, look around, guys. You know, read the room. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. This is how this goes. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. And especially those. And I have little kids. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you can, you, it, not only that, but, but you can in terms of reading the room. I mean, I haven't. I don't think I've ever. Not that I go through sorting sorting through population charts of every species but uh it seems like there's a lot of them where species just took this sharp increase uh, something could happen they were an invasive species yeah. or so, something very favorable happened they were able to reproduce and survive really well in this particular environment and they hit a ceiling and followed by a real sharp crash that seems like it's happened again and again yeah that is, that's the name of the game and especially really specialized, you know, you kind of you get like, oh, wait, nobody's done this niche yet. And you find it and you explode. And then, you know, you like wear it out and that niche is gone yeah. and you're done. I mean, like, we're like in a fossil fuel niche right now. Yeah. We can either figure that one out or we are. I mean, that one's very predictable. Right. There's only 100 years of coal left or maybe 150. And I think there's 50 years of oil and gas. And then like. My first so, serious girlfriend got her, um, she was at MIT at the time. She got her PhD from MIT in geochemistry because she enjoys rhyming. Um, but she, <laughs> she, uh, she ended up getting a job for Shell with that big fancy education. Um, and um, I caught up with her. And, and lo- looking for, uh, you know, using a geochemistry degree to find samples to be like, yes, there's there's oil possibly in here. Here's maybe where you want to drill. Uh, this is one of the most educated people in this particular niche that there is. And, yeah. um, you know, that was that was like 15 years ago or so that she got that job. I caught up with her recently and um and she still works for Shell. She has a she has a different she just has a different job there because they mm-hmm. like her uh, working on other things because they're not looking for oil anymore. They're just not. They aren't telling people that. <laughs> right. But, yeah, because it's not because they know, I guess, both both because there's no more to find. Is that the idea? Or yeah. also because the incentives are changing? Yeah, yeah. Both. I mean, I don't think it's out of the goodness of their heart. I don't no. imagine that. Oh, no, it's not because of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> they're done putting the money into search for a thing that you can't, you know. Uh, so. Right. Right. OK, so. Um, sorry, we're having a couple connection issues that you, the listener, won't need to see because it's all edited and everything. But Herman and I are having some <laughs> some communication issues. Anyhow, uh, the idea of of um, of as you use more energy, your body just kind of adjusts to that and compensates in some way. Does it, does that mean so? Like, if I work out more, which I have been yeah. lately, does that mean I'll just kind of yeah. be laid out? resting more or, or what do you how does that work right so here so this is the 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 crux of the book is just how much your metabolism adjusts your lifestyle 
um, in ways that we don't kind of expect um, and, and haven't really known about until pretty recently. And one of them is that, you know, if you exercise more, if you're more physically active, uh, the way that that's always presented is that if you exercise more, burn more calories on exercise, well, then, you know, you, you'll earn your donut, right? Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll burn so many more calories every day and, and you can burn the, you can use it to burn fat off or you can use it to, to eat a crappy diet and that's okay because you're burning those extra calories. Um, and it turns out not that simple at all. Instead, what happens is if your, your body adjusts to your lifestyle, your metabolism adjusts so that um, a, a few months after you've started this new exercise program, you're basically back to burning the same number of calories that you were before you started. Maybe a few more, but not much more a day, not as much as you'd expect from the exercise because your body has found ways to save energy elsewhere during the day to sort of make room for that new exercise regime that you have. Wow. Um, so we first discovered this. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We first discovered this with the Hodza hunter-gatherers that we were working with. Um, we went there to measure energy expenditures, the total calories they burn every day. And these guys are getting five to 10 times more physical activity every day than the typical American, right? No surprise there. It's a really hard way to make a living, right? To hunt and gather every day. Um, and they're, yet they're burning the same number of calories every day as men and women in the States. Mm -hmm. Actually, they, it's even less because they're smaller. They tend to be smaller statured folks, right? So we adjust for body size and all these comparisons. But even after you adjust for body size and, and how much fat they're carrying, all that stuff, the indistinguishable in terms of calories per day that they're burning, even though they're five to 10 times more physically active. So that was a mind blower. And we've been chasing this up and you see this in other populations. We see this in other species. We see this in people who start an exercise program like you've done, right? So at first you are burning more calories because your body hasn't adjusted yet, but eventually your body adjusts. We don't know exactly the timing on this. It probably is different between people, but about three or four months in, your body has adjusted. And so, you know, there are studies where people, this is a great one, um, the Midwest Exercise Study 2, well, sorry, one, the first one, uh, Exercise Study 2 is also interesting, but they get people, they, they had men and women who were overweight and obese. They got them into a 16-month exercise program. And the exercise was equivalent to uh, running 20 miles a week, right? So nothing, that's, that's, that's substantial, right? Substantial amounts of exercise. At the end of it, at the end of 16 months, this is supervised, they couldn't cheat. The total calories burned per day was no different than when they started. Hmm. So you go from being totally non-exercising and sedentary to I'm running 20 miles a week or doing the, that equivalent of exercise and your total energy you burn in, in both cases is the same. Wow. Right? That's crazy. Uh, and, and it's just because your body can adjust. So that's, that's this, and that has implications for a lot of how we, we understand how exercise works and why it's so good for us. Exercise was really important for you and really good for you. So it's good that you're doing it, Shane. Um, it's going to keep you around longer and keep you, you know, you'll age better. And uh, do you notice, has, have you had any like mood or cognitive yeah, better, advantages better, people say that that really helps better mood I've, i feel i feel more clear-headed i started i've yeah. never been able to strength train without it being like pulling teeth or whatever but this time around i'm able to I, i'm taking like three minute breaks between sets that and i get to mm -hmm. like a very peaceful place i'm creative and everything and and yeah i yeah. just i'm in a better mood i'm i'm more creative it's it's not uh it's not perfect but it definitely it feels like it, it feel it also just it also just feels like heading in a right direction you know which which yeah. gives me a sense of kind of comfort and clarity and other aspects of of my life yeah yeah so that's so your body in adjusting to your new exercise program your body is doing all kinds of things there's like all this signaling happening uh endocrine signaling happening neurotransmitter signaling happening when you exercise that it just makes you healthier across the board mm -hmm. and so those adjustments this is those adjustments that are happening that are keeping your energy expenditure, your daily energy expenditure kind of in a narrow range, kind of in check. Those adjustments are probably really good for you in terms of your health, mm -hmm. even if it kind of makes it 
exercise is not a great tool for weight loss. So exercise is not a great tool for weight loss by itself. Mm. Um, you should still do it. And this helps you keep weight off. But um, anyway, so the book is about exploring that and other aspects of metabolism. You know, like what's the maximum number of calories you can burn every day? How does your body adjust to that maximum ceiling? Uh, how do diets work? And, you know, cause we work with hunter gatherer groups and other, you know, traditional populations. How do diets look there and how does diet affect metabolism? So that's, that's the idea behind the book. So if, if people want to, um, actually lose weight, it's, it's going to be some, yeah. um, behavioral kind of more on the nutritional side of, of things and what they're yeah. taking in. Obesity is a diet issue. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. we, we, so rather than, and so this is another one of these marketing things, right? So. Um, if you watch, I, I like to watch professional football because, um, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a bad person or something like that, but I, I do like it. And the NFL used to have this play 60 thing where they would tell kids, you know, kids have to play for 60 minutes a day. And if you do that, then, you know, the implication was now you can drink the, all the Gatorade you want. Because this is a sponsored by NFL and, and, uh, and Gatorade, which is PepsiCo, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's, uh. It's this trade-off that the food companies would love you just to exercise, and that's your strategy for weight loss, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they want to sell you right. Interesting. Um, and so that's where I think the danger is in not being more clear about how this all works. I mean, it's the the at the end of the day, the message still becomes diet and exercise. You think, well, I've heard that before, um, but thinking about how those actually interact and work together and, and are kind of really separate tools for separate jobs. That's a critical piece of it. Fantastic. You're an amazing guest as always. Um, I, I, uh, I'd love to have you back on again soon. Maybe we can get a little more into the nitty gritty of, of what actually works in terms of, uh, of weight loss sometime. Um, but this is just, it, this is terrific. This is a good place to start. Check out burn new research, uh, blows the lid off how we really burn calories, lose weight and stay healthy. Herman Ponser from Duke university is the guest. Thank you, Herman. Thanks. It's always fun to be here. Always fun to have you. And thank you listeners for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. Everyone, if you want to support the show, check out patreon.com slash Shane Moss. Next week, more health talk. January is a good time to have a health conversation because resolutions and resets and blah, blah, blah are on everyone's mind. COVID rates are out of control and one of the silver linings of that in certain individuals is that people will sometimes really be encouraged to start taking better care of themselves um if for no other reason there's kind of subconsciously a sense of control uh in in the situation over uh your health that you get from doing that and Anything that you can get in your brain to, uh, you know, get moving a little more and taking a little bit better care of yourself, from my perspective, is is typically uh, a good thing. I I usually benefit when I'm uh, doing more and more physical activity, which I've been lately, and uh, it's been great. So I hope you guys are doing well in this new year with what I consider to be madness going on out there. Maybe it's not to you, and that's awesome. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I, it's the, the COVID rates and everything are um, still quite high at the time that I'm recording this, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing some maybe solo pandemic episodes or something. I, I started recording something, and I'm, I'm maybe going to re-record it or put it on Patreon or something like that, but just kind of going back from the beginning of life on this planet to when viruses evolved, immune systems evolved, brains first evolved, how brains evolved to process disease avoidance, how that conflicts with our social relationships, um, and, uh, and the kind of conscious narratives that humans uh, have come up with in an effort to explain uh, these uh, these large existential events that, um, you know, uh, in the past, there wasn't a lot of information about. 
and the various uh, stories and superstitions and conspiracies and meaning making and, and things that came along with that through every pandemic in modern history and what that says about some of the things going on today and what we can expect to see uh, with similar events in the future in, in ways that uh, that I think anyone could understand and uh, kind of takes that that are important and you'll never ever hear on any cable news or uh, very many other sources for that matter as well. So let me know what you think about that idea if you'd be interested at all. I know I'm always paranoid. People are like, no one wants to hear about COVID anymore. And then uh, I get a lot of lovely feedback from um, a lot of you when I do a COVID episode as well. So uh, I'm I'm always I'm always up for answering any questions. If you want to put them in the comments on YouTube, not just about this episode, but just generally anything that you'd like uh, more of or answers or uh, you know, topics discussed on future episodes. Always, you can put in the YouTube comments. If uh, if you're on Patreon, you're my boss. So just write me on there and uh, I'll do what I can to uh, uh, accommodate and let your suggestions steer the ship a little bit. And yeah, this is uh, this was a super fun episode. I have a few more really fun ones already in the bank, ready to go in the coming weeks that I think you're really going to enjoy. Those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are, of course, my favorites.